It's the official catch-up podcast. I'm back with Chris as ever, and it's been four weeks on the spin. People will be talking about how uh, amazingly consistent we've been, Chris. Um, unlike some teams, obviously, but there there was a few shock results um, this week all over the league. Always something to talk about in non-league, obviously. Um, not always, you know, pyramids and whatever chat that we've had. In fact, I think last week's episode was becoming more and more rare that we were probably a wee bit more negative about the pyramid. We've actually kind of been good boys this season, mate. There's been a lot of football to discuss and a lot of results and performances and um, things changing at the top of the table and the bottom of the tables and different divisions. So, yeah, we've actually been focusing on the football rather than the, the red tape and bureau- bureaucracy that comes with um, non-league football in Scotland. But um, I'm sure we'll cover that again. Obviously, we went into the pyramid in length. Uh, last week, but mm-hmm. um, but there will be some stuff to talk about. But we'll start where we always start uh, with the Lowland League, and that was the first game was on Friday night between Celtic B and Spartans, and that ended in a one-one draw. And I'm going to be honest, very disappointing result. I wanted something exciting to happen there uh, in terms of what's happened in the league table. Uh, both teams playing obviously out a not playing out a one-one draw because I'm sure they both were trying to win, but. Um, Certainly disappointing to see one team not getting the result to kind of open up a gap, but um, Spartan still sitting top, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it was close. Uh, Celtic, obviously, I think it was a, like a 90 minute equaliser, basically. Uh, so you think that Spartans will be absolutely glad that they, they didn't hold on there. Like 91st minute, um, it was Cummins that scored for Celtic to. To get the draw, I mean, it keeps Celtic B in it. I see a lot of comments like, oh, now it's up to Rangers B, now it's up to Celtic B. I think you need to remember that Spartans are still top of the league, you know what I mean? So it's still in their hands. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it could have been worse. It could have been, a, you know, no points at all. They could have lost that game. Um, but, yeah, they, they'll be glad not to get the three points there so late in the game. But we've seen it before. Um, obviously, with B team, Celtic B, Rangers B, where it looks like they might, you know, coming back from losing positions, you might not think it's going to happen, and they, they, they do seem to come back a fair bit when they are in losing positions, and it's probably because of the fitness of the the players. You know, the, the young the, the young guys that can come in off the bench, and uh, we've we've seen it in that game. And yeah, I think Spartans will be good, but again, I don't think they're going to be too too down on themselves because I mean they're still top of the league, they're still chasing a title. Um, it's an interesting result, but yeah, I did think if Spartans won that, it would have been a massive, massive boost for their uh, title aspirations. Yeah, I think the thing about Spartans will be that Spartans have the point, the, the extra point on the board. The games are level now. We've got four games left to play, um, roughly, in the league, I think. And for, for the teams that are at the top there, they've got, the, got that point on the board. The teams haven't played the, the same amount of games. It makes it that bit interesting. We, were, we talked a lot about games in hand and things like that previously. The teams at the top on their level. When you look at the fixtures, I think Spartans probably have the favourable fixtures, I would say. Um, with what's coming up, Rangers B probably got the toughest of the of the games coming up. They've got still got Celtic B to play, still in, still in uni. Uh, and well, he's, he's still unsure, but um, they could be anything on their day. Celtic B, a team that they still obviously have Rangers B. Celtic B, Sam Dalbite, Cali Braves, and he's still unsure as well. So they've got a decent run in. Um, Rangers B probably got the, the toughest of the, of the run ins, um, we would say there. But um, there's no reason why, why Spartans can do it. can't do it uh, now. But 
I think it'll be down to that. That Rangers B Celtic B old firm game will be kind of, I think the decider for me with who which one of them goes on and wins that game because they'll get that cushion over the other one who has a chance to win the league. Obviously they'll get a they'll get a gap. Unless it's a draw, obviously, which is boring for all of us to see. We don't nobody wants draws. We should just ban draws and get <laughs> extra extra bonus points for um penalty shootouts or some of that. Nah, that's like ice hockey, people go mental if I start saying mad stuff like that. But anyway, I'm waffling rubbish here this morning. So um yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think we're obviously fully invested in the title running now um, at this point. But I guess we could jump on to the next game. Uh, straight away, talking about being invested in the title run. What about the rele- relegation battle, Chris? Cumbernauld Colts 1, Edinburgh Union 3. Uh, for me, an absolute shocker of a result. I didn't expect Edinburgh Union to be capable of getting anything this season. Um, but they've turned up away from home at Broadwood and, and, and got a result, which could potentially be crucial for me for the coming end of the season. Yeah, I mean... Cumbernauld Colts have been have uh, been on decent form really uh, lately. Obviously, they played the two B sides, uh, two draws there, and I thought that they were really sort of coming on. So that was a bit of a shock. But I mean, one thing I've always credited Edinburgh Uni for is um, their ability to to do this and and come out and get shock wins here and there. Uh, talked about it so much, but we've seen probably less so this season of it happening. But you know, it's three points when they need it um, desperately. We've talked up that, you know, the Edinburgh Uni Dalbiti game coming up on uh, the 8th of April um, at Pefram, or East Pefferville. And we're saying that's the crucial one, but um, Dalbiti, I'm, I, I don't, I feel like we've probably favoured Dalbiti a wee bit more, even though they're bottom, uh, just because we, some of the guys there, we probably know less about Edinburgh Uni this season uh, in terms of all the players that they've lost or have moved on and whatever the situation is. So I uh, don't mean to show favouritism. I'd still feel that they'll be a, you know, they're not out of it. I mean, they've got three games in hand. They are four points adrift. Um, but if you're talking maybe a draw and a win at East Peffermill on the eighth, I mean, the goal differences are, there's not really much in terms of the goal difference. So um, it's still a massive game. Whether Edinburgh Uni or Dalbiti can go on and, and get another three points here and there, um, regardless of that game, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but I, I put it down to, I definitely put it down to that game. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But um, just going looking at how the seasons went, I mean, three points for either of these sides has been very, very rare. So I'm not expecting uh, either to go on a massive win and run or anything like that uh, towards the end of the season. Hence, the importance of this game coming up at East Perfermill is um, why I've why we've basically said that. Uh, it, it does feel like it is the, the relegation decider, or the six-pointer as as, uh, as I said, loads. Yeah, I think I think that game is going to be crucial. Uh, it all becomes, though, I think a lot harder now for Dalbiti because Edinburgh did get that result yesterday. That becomes, although a game, obviously, can get the get the gap back to um, level if that'll be to get the result. But I mean, Edinburgh Uni probably looking at that game now and going, like, if we play this game out for a draw, then we could potentially be safe." Whereas before, they were probably looking at it, if we if we draw this and um, they'll be to get some results elsewhere, then they're back in it. But I think you look at the the running for Dalby, um, Bonus, Cowdenbeath, Celtic, 
the Gaff Dean and Cumberland Colts. You're probably looking at that Kyle Meath game, going that's the game you probably think you can get a result in. Um <laughs> if you can. I mean that's the one you you'll be looking at. I think the other games probably come a bit tougher than, than that one, in my opinion. Um and then obviously the big game at, at Mill as well is going to be important. But in comparison, Edinburgh Uni have East Kilbride, obviously that'll be Broomhill and Gretna. Uh, equally tough matches. Um, both Broomhill and Gretna can be anything. They could be brilliant or they could be terrible. I mean, there's, there's no in between with both those sides. East Kilbride probably similar um, in that regard. They could be um, world beaters or they could be pretty poor. So, It'll be an interesting running, um, definitely, but um, very surprising to see it. But, you know, but a lot of credit to him. Um, haven't seen any highlights or anything like that, but um, certainly getting results this time of season is massive, and, and I've done that. Yeah, I laughed a wee bit there um, at your Ken Beef comments, and simply because there was a Ken Beef fan that commented um, basically like, "Ah, oh, we've got they've got a uh, they've got us basically a week before the Edinburgh Uni game. They'll get the three points there anyway." So. <laughs> I'll after that uh, optimism and beef there, but um, yeah, and you know it's funny. Um, we talk about Edinburgh Uni, um, with East Kilbride as well. I mean, Edinburgh Uni seem to have a thing with East Kilbride growing the last few years, where they've they've managed to take points off them. So yeah, it does become very very interesting. Next one then, still in Uni two, Gallif thirteen, Rovers one. Um, still in Uni, just doing what they do, getting back on getting back on the win column. Um, they are four points behind Spartans. Still a bit of work to do there if they're going to catch them, I would say, personally now. But getting the wins, and that's all they need to do at this point, get them back on the horse. Also, they've got a, a big game coming up in the, the national finals of this week, is it, Chris? Yeah, on Wednesday. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Hopefully it is, as I say, on online, I think, YouTube or whatever. Um, in fairness to Edinburgh Uni, they have their own sort of box um, cup final equivalent on Wednesday as well so good luck to Edinburgh Uni uh, one thing we obviously maybe kind of missed in fairness to Spartans is obviously they, they played Stirling Uni midweek to then go into the Celtic game on Friday so maybe legs played the issue in that game but they were fantastic against Stirling Uni 4-0 uh, Cammy Russell scoring a wonder free kick again and uh, Stirling Uni from what I heard from Chris I mean it, you know they lost against Spartans which is obviously difficult if they're if their aspiration was to to kind of be top of the table, still unsure on that if that was really the goal. But um, you know, Chris said that he, he felt that you know they they should have been a lot tighter. They should have been uh, more into that game. But you know, Spartans led quite early, and I think I mentioned that when they played when Stirling Uni played Clyde Bank. If you're playing a really good team, you, one thing you do not want to do is concede early and be chasing the game. And uh, did the heads drop? I, I'm not 100 sure. I'm guessing they did, but. Um, in terms of this game, I did hear Chris's interview. Um, apparently, he's he's not been happy with the standards slipping lately, and he was have, having to be a, a guy that we we're not really associate him. We don't really associate himself with shouting and swearing and stuff like that. But he was talking about the standards dropping, and I think that's what's seen them through. Um, in that game against Gala, I've not seen the goals, but apparently a few of them were all three were quite fortunate. Um, but. Yeah, it's, they'll take that and move on back to winning ways. Again, you don't want to be in a position where you lose a game and then start dropping points in your next two, three, four games. Um, obviously, we're still in union in the league. They can't afford that if they have any aspirations to to finish top or, or be in around that area uh, 
to to keep maintaining that. But yeah, um, it's a it's a good one for Stirling Union to get back to winning ways, and especially ahead of the 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 Bucks Cup final on on uh, Wednesday as well. Uh, Gareth two thousand eight three, Broomhill three, uh, plenty of goals in this one, Chris. Um, Broomhill just being Broomhill, I guess. I think they must be just sticking to their guns with this this um, uh, way they're playing at the moment. And uh, I just don't know where they go. I think uh, it seems like they are struggling, um, just dropping down. I mean, that's no wins in four now for um, Broomhill, which. For them, is a is a bit difficult. Obviously, I think it's it's the scene of the season. But what do they do next, Broomhill? Like, they've also got players there that are very capable and in, in, in talented individuals. Are they going to? Are these some of these guys going to move in? Because maybe it's the Broomhill bubble burst. I don't know. Am I being too dramatic there? Um, the guys like Cut Broadfoot. Um, are they going to retire at the end of the season? And there's going to be gaps to replace the team then replace players rather and I just find it a strange one um, with Broomhill just now Yeah the, there's a lack of belief there now um, is what I can say I mean we, we, we've we seen it you can almost in sports you could be the best team in the world but if you don't believe in yourself or don't believe in a, achieving a goal i.e. you know getting promoted winning leagues you're never going to be successful and I think that's what's happened to Broomhill they've just dropped off they've just dropped off they've got fantastic players I mean I did hear it from one side, to be fair, but Gretna apparently could have won that game or should have won that game. Um, so, I mean, it, it's bad. And we've talked about Gretna a fair bit, how their season's kind of just winding down. You, you could probably say the same about Broomhill now. You know, it's just winding down. Not really much to play for. Um, a wee shout-out to Sam Gormley, actually, who's just back uh, back in the Gretna lineup after five months out injured. Did see that. So, um it's a difficult one uh, for Broomhill. I don't know where they go. Will will the open goal project extend to next season? Because apparently it's meant to be a season on season thing. Um, will Sidus walk away because it's not worked out? I mean, these are the questions that will be interesting. But I, you know, I don't think either of us can answer them at this stage. Certainly, um, I really believe. <laughs> I think the next few episodes of the documentary will be very telling of where Sidus heads at. Um, if he wants to continue. I mean, I was very, very, very early days where he was saying, oh, maybe I'm not going to be a great manager. Maybe I'm more of a director of football type type person. Um, maybe they bring someone else in. I don't see how that would work, though, because Sai is the, the man, the face of that. So, yeah, um, good result for Gretna. I mean, I've been very heavy, heavily critical of them, uh, worrying about them in terms of where they would be if we didn't have Del Beatty heading by uni in the league. But, um, yeah, fair play to Gretna on that result. But they are coming up against a, a Broomhill team that just lacking belief at the moment. They've got good players. You know, uh, if I looked at the start of the season, I would say I, I probably rated them lower than most people would say, would expect just because obviously a new bunch of guys new players gelling and all this sort of stuff but the quality of that team on paper should be right there on top you know near the top of the league and they're not um you know it goes back to the questions we've already asked ben is the documentary a you know a distraction is side too harsh with his team talks um are guys taking it that seriously in terms of the level do they think they can just walk onto the, the pitch and boss it uh, and it's it doesn't you know it never happens you have to try you have to make an effort 
And that's not a slight on the players saying that they're not, but again, it goes down to that that belief. You need to believe that in something if you're going to achieve it. You know what I mean? Um, that's I guess my philosophy. Maybe not. Maybe you do have natural raw talent that you can you can get uh, get through on that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where Broomhill will go. It'll be interesting. The next few months, come the end of the season, what will happen there? Yeah, I think I think your point about the documentary uh, and the open goal and the whole thing. I, I personally have always thought that um, around it being a bit of a a bit of a sideshow, a bit of a distraction at times. It's probably it's probably good when it's good, and then it's a lot worse when it's when it's essentially bad. Uh, I think. You see the the clips of them on the bus having a good time, and it's all about. There seems to be that kind of culture of of part, like kind of socialising, perhaps, and having a, a good time, and and maybe there's a good camaraderie in the squad, and that's absolutely crucial. And I think that probably helped them quite significantly um, at the start of the season, probably when they started when they went on on the runs and things like that, because they they did have what seemed like a good kind of togetherness within the squad, but. Um, I don't know what's what's going on there. You mentioned Sai. I think I think it's you can't question. I don't think I can question him too much as a as a coach. No. Um, I think he looks like he, he knows what he's doing. He obviously sticks to his, his tactical guns and, and how they want to play and with things he says about wanting to to play out from the back and play passing football and nice football that that people want to watch. And but ultimately. It is a project. It is a. It's something different, which is good. I think great for for the league. I think we will not deny that that it's, it's something different that we enjoy watching and seeing and and listening to and teams perhaps raising their game to play against Broomhill because they are the, the the podcast. And I think that's been said by internally at Broomhill in the past that they feel that teams raise their game, and, and that's probably true to, to an extent. You probably do go there thinking that. Uh, it's probably similar to like Darvo and uh, and the West of Scotland teams go there, kind of up their game and, and to try and get a result to, to get one over on on Darvo and, and, and it's, it's similar for for Broomhill I would think but I think they just have to reset. I think they stick with Sai personally for an, at least another season. I don't know that he'll have learned a lot from from this year uh, as a coach and a manager. Uh, there'll be guys there that they can probably bring in quite easily. Uh, he has good contacts and can bring him good players from from higher up, but they'll need to do that, and they can't, I guess, fund this forever. Ultimately, no. I think that's the thing. They'll need to be try and get up next season. Probably the aim there again. I mean, you've seen the squad, like you said, that squad on paper looks brilliant and very, very capable of winning that league. I would have said, but for whatever reason, absolutely struggling. And uh, if they can get to the end of the season, reset go again next year then they'll have a chance but uh, I don't know where, I just don't know where they go at this point in time next one then is Cowdmeath nil Berwick 4 another great result for Berwick seem to be climbing away of the table that's him up to 6 they've played us a few more games in East School Bride certainly but they're in a position of league that I, I didn't expect that's a fourth one and, uh, out of 5 and Again, they're in that position. They've started too late for me in terms of getting the the form going, but they they certainly have done done well given how kind of poor they were looking kind of middle of the season. 
Liam Buchanan is a big, massive part of that. He's, you know, he, he gets a wee bit of stick about his age, but he's he's, he's going off this season in terms of his of scoring goals. And it's always I always mention this when I say about Berwick, they don't score enough. But Liam has proven me wrong. Um, you know, free free against Ken Beef yesterday. Apparently, there was a wee bit of drama in terms of uh, the Ken Beef kit man or whoever not giving him the the match ball. I personally think that's a wee bit poor. I mean, football tradition and whatnot, um, you always give the player that scores a hat-trick the match ball. But I, I, you have a different spin to that, I guess. I do, yeah. actually, yeah. So so I think I think you're right in, in terms of of its customary. It's, it's probably the right thing to do. However, I mean, match balls do, do cost a bit of money, man. I think the last I checked, a match ball was about 60 quid, 70 quid for, um, for one ball, you know. Uh, for a team like potentially Cowden Beath to be able to afford to replace match balls this time of the season, maybe don't have the funds to go and buy a sixty pound match ball, which which is fair enough. And maybe we need to start a GoFundMe for um for Liam Buchanan so he can get his match ball. Um, if he wants to flash some donations into the, the podcast, we'll get the money to to Cowden Beath and make sure he gets his match ball. But I'll go and collect it at Central Park and send so, it to him. <laughs> I think um, it's a hard one for me. Ultimately, uh, it's a difficult position. I, I can see whether I can see both sides of it personally. Uh, I'm not aware of any any malice, perhaps intended by the 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 kit man or anything like that uh, within Cowd Beath. I, I guess he probably was thinking like similar to what I've just said around the cost, etc. Is isn't cheap, so it's an unfortunate one. For, there's for a, there's always a bit of needle. Um... Some some people might not know this, but there is a bit of needle between Ken Beef and Berwick Rangers that stems from um, the days that they were both, you know, obviously in the SPFL. And I I don't actually know the the entire surrounding or backstory of it, but certainly there there is it does seem like there's an animosity between the two sides. I had heard stories about how uh, Berwick fans were a wee bit rowdy yesterday, possibly damaging the the stands and whatnot. I don't know about that. I mean, that's coming from a Cowden Beef fan. I've not really seen much said about it otherwise. In fairness, in terms of the match ball, a well-known Berwick fan, a guy known, well, he's Doug, but Funky Photo on Twitter um, offered Cowden Beef to to pay for the match ball and send it to Liam. But I I don't know. It could could have came across as personal, you know, getting the match ball because obviously Berwick Rangers are our rivals or whatever it was. But... Yeah, I, I just think it's poor in terms of the money. You're right; it does cost a fair bit to, for these balls, but I, I don't know so much about that. If a club can't afford a sixty quid match ball, um, you know what happens when balls get kicked over the park and all this sort of stuff. I mean, yeah, um, surely no. Surely they, they can afford sixty quid or reimburse it from Berwick Rangers or whatever you have to do. But I don't know. I think I still think it's a poor, poor thing. Um, you know. We've talked about Ken Beef uh, in terms of defensively. They've kind of not been great the last couple of games, conceding a fair bit of goals as well. Um, but Berwick Rangers, they lost recently, but they seem like they're towards the top end of the league. And you're right, I think when I looked at the league table, I couldn't believe how far they, they rose. And they're still rising. They're not large. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> done a large. Both playing uh, kind of amber and gold or whatever, or whatever oh, yeah, you want to call yeah. it. So, oh, well, amber... Well, amber and black or golden black, I don't know. That's what people use different colors. Answers in a postcard there. What colours the Berwick and Largs play in, folks? Let us know. <laughs> uh, next game then, East Kilbride 2, Civil Service Strollers 1. Back to winning ways for East Kilbride. Uh, they'll obviously have um, 
be given the news that they'll make it through to the uh, the quarterfinals of the South Challenge Cup uh, because they have up and like through the an ineligible player, like we mentioned last they week. Mentioned, yeah. And back to one away in the league for for East Kilbride, two uh, one uh, versus Seville. Yeah, it's always a difficult one for East Kilbride, even if they're at home, because uh, Gary Jordan has a really good record against East Kilbride. He seems to love to beat East Kilbride, so wasn't a foregone conclusion that that EK would have won that one. And it did take them till the pretty much right to the death. Daniel Connor um, getting, I think, his first goal for East Kilbride. We've we've talked up. Um, you know, the East Kilbride playing youths and stuff. He's basically a, a graduate from the uh, the under twenties. Say. And uh, it was him that got the goal. So well done to Daniel. Obviously, great seeing that that pathway again that we talked about recently. Yeah, it'll be a tough one for Civil. I mean, they're still trying to push, as I said, to sort of top top six, if you will. Um, but a really good result for East Kilbride. Other than that, I think we've said it before. I think they're out of contention of the league title. Don't really see them doing much. It's pretty much similar to Broomhill, two decent teams, but. There's not really much to play for other than that um, South Challenge Cup, I would say. Maybe the Lone League Cup that they won last year as well, I guess. Um, that will be coming up soon. So, yeah, not really too much to say on East Kilbride, apart from decent one against a decent stroller side. The final game then, Torrent Juniors won, Bonesh United won in the five o'clock kickoff. I believe there was a uh, Scottish Groundhopper weekend and this game was on at uh, five o'clock on Saturday night, which I think is a great... Um, it's a great idea. Uh, personally, I think we've not seen it in the West of Scotland. And I would quite like to get involved in that at some point. If there's any ground top up or folk or anybody involved in that, get in touch uh, with myself because I'd be keen to try and organise something for next season, certainly. But yeah, I, I kind of fizzled out draw, I think, by sounds of it, Chris. Not a lot to report on. Yeah, I. Uh... Yeah, there wasn't really much available that I saw online. I've not read any. The Bone S usually do a really good match report. Unfortunately, I never read it beforehand. I don't know if actually it's out yet, but um, it's a it's a tough game. Um, I'm not going to rule out Trinent just yet, but I, I think that draw does signal that they're probably going to need an absolute miracle to get back into the, the fight of the title race. Um, I did notice that Chris Renton who's not really played a lot this season, uh, moved on loan to Musselbra. Muscle he's, yeah. he's, he's had um, injury issues and whatnot. Um, the only thing there, like you mentioned, the only positive, I guess, for either side was the ground top, as you mentioned. It's something that's been going on for, for years. Uh, it used to be predominantly east of Scotland, and then obviously some of the east of Scotland sides, uh, you know, like predominantly like Bonnie Rig, uh, Bone Estranent came into the loan, so it became a sort of lowland east of Scotland thing. Uh, fantastic for all involved. Um, I don't think I've been to. I don't think I've been involved in it the last couple of years, but certainly before that, it's always a great occasion. Just one ground after the other. You know, Friday football, Saturday football, even Sunday football coming up, obviously. So um, I think Penny Cook are playing today, so it's it's great. And I'm actually surprised there isn't an equivalent in the West. Uh, it does surprise me, Ben. Maybe it's something to, to have a look at. I guess. No, I definitely think something that personally that I would want to get in. To get involved, like I said, I think it would make a lot of sense. There's a lot of grounds close by as well, for, from our perspective, that you could probably have like a game Friday, three games on Saturday, and maybe even a couple on Sunday. I mean, that they could get a right good, good, um, good game if you pick the right weekend, where there's maybe not so much Sunday football and perhaps um, on TV or uh, involving the old firm. 
perhaps then it would be a, a good way to to do it. And I think for me, it's something that for any team out there, maybe listening who's thinking about it and maybe not really interested, these people usually bring 100, 150 folk, you know, mm-hmm. specifically attend for, for a game. And if, if you're in perhaps a, I don't know, a, a third division side in the West of Scotland or maybe even a fourth division side and, and you're going to get 100, 150 on your gate for, for one week and it's a, it's a league game and they're paying their seven, eight quid. It's a, it's a nice wee lift for a club that's maybe far down with, with less uh, money and there could be a lot of good ties organised for, for a certain weekend. And it's something I can get behind for sure. Uh, I like the idea quite a lot. Right, we'll move on to the discussion around the, the pyramid, I guess, Chris. will put a quick, quick, bit of, quick bit of chat there to be had. So when we recorded last Sunday, the the different leagues and committees hadn't met per se. Uh, that's took it that that has all taken place now in the last week. As I understand it, the the West of Scotland were going back to the pyramid working group on Friday with a, an alternative proposal that would uh, potentially be be looked at. But I don't know about the other teams. There was. As we understand it, uh, an indicative vote took place within the Lowland League around Colt teams or B teams playing again. From a few sources, not just one actually, I, I believe the the vote went um, 7-4, 6 against and 3 abstained. Um, to be honest, it's not entirely surprising because from what I've heard, if they rejected the B teams in for next season, then we would have the Conference League coming in. Uh, so... I can sympathise with the Lone League clubs uh, uh, from from that point of view because no one really wants this conference coming in um, ASAP, basically. So I know, obviously, ultimately they've they've came in, but it, it is very close. I think people need to remember that it's not, you know, with free abstaining, um, would they have abstained if if this wasn't a dead cert and there wasn't the idea of the conference league floating about? I, I don't know. Maybe B teams wouldn't be in the Lone League. I mean, certainly that's how I feel. Um, but look, it's got to a point now where you know we, we've been critical of the Lone League, but again, it's um, I think, for example, I mentioned the fact about you know the Lone had been critical of a story because uh, uh, some papers had published the fact that um, the vote was for the Conference League, which it wasn't, it was basically for the Lone League's continuation of B teams being in the league for next season. You know, they were critical, like, oh, sadly, we weren't contacted and stuff like that. And I, it's something I've pulled up uh, the league about because, I mean, we contacted the league recently, um, way we back. Contacted, we contacted the league last night, Chris, believe Last night, but um, before that, um, when we were talking about the pyramid review, um, you know, we got a rehashed response from something, a statement months ago. So, I mean, if you're, if you're asking a question, you're going to get that sort of response, why bother? You know, it's easier to to come to your own assumptions through different sources, and obviously we have really good sources. <laughs> uh, there is a certain sympathy, though. I must admit, there is a certain sympathy because I know for a fact that people in the likes of Thomas Brown's situation, they've been told by the SFA and whoever else not to say anything. So, again, it's not really a, a personal thing. It's just... Yeah, it's just, I feel they could be a bit, a bit more forthcoming with what's going on. Even if it's like, right, we had an indicative vote, blah, blah, blah. I know that's, again, does it come down to personal 
um, or confidential things. But even if, you know, I'm not expecting them to tell every Tom, Dick and Harry everything that's going on in the league. I mean, that would just be absurd. But to, to say what the plan is, what's going forward, right, let's get fans' views, let's get clubs' views. And I know that they do that kind of during the meeting, but half the time, and I've seen it myself, half the time people even at clubs don't have a clue what's going on. And I think that's poor. That just shows that it's poorly run in terms of um, communication. Uh, it's not a really a reflection sometimes on who's running it. It's just as a whole thing. Uh, it's not. It's not great that um, that no one seems to know what's going on. And obviously, I think it again. It's probably a wee bit difficult because, as we mentioned last week, the SFA kind of sprung this conference league idea out of nowhere. So again, there probably isn't a lot to report off beforehand. So um, yeah, I, I guess it's a discussion for when for when uh, Thomas might come on to the podcast, I guess, Ben. Is that what you're going to say next? Yeah, so I think, obviously, you mentioned that article that was out uh, on Saturday morning uh, from one of the, the mainstream media um, newspapers, and it referred to, like Zellweger kind of said, it, it referred to the vote being about something else, and it was actually about the B teams. And, and it's the lonely cross statement out saying uh, that they had contacted uh, the, the publishers and kind of, to address the, the inaccuracies, but they were they mentioned the fact that they weren't contacted. So, as a uh, someone who's obviously into to find out what's what within non-league football, I dropped an, e- an email out last night to the Lone League just to ask a few questions and try and get some transparency on what has happened. Uh, the response back was that uh, they would be interested in coming on the podcast. Thomas Brown will come on the podcast at some point to discuss it when the process has completed. Yeah. So I assume that means that the voting and the the conference league situation will or not what happens with that. So yeah, I think you're right, Chris. I think it's important to be to have a bit of that transparency with fans and, and the and the clubs and the people that are involved in the game. But you can't you can't be in this position where you're upset if someone doesn't doesn't contact you. Yeah. I did that probably out of the fact that they mentioned that yesterday in the in the, uh, in the statement. But there probably isn't a lot to report. As you say at the moment, there's probably still kind of waiting to see what happens with different things. They obviously won't have a, a massive say on what, what happens. I think we've took a bit of criticism for saying that. To get that right, I think we we believe they'll have a say in the, the promotion relegation into the Conference League. But beyond that, they don't really have a say whether or not the Conference League will actually take place or not. It'll be about the promotion relegation. It won't be about whether or not that will happen. So... I forgot. About, I forgot all about that. Thanks to all of our listeners and viewers for me. Pie and bottle, they've, um, they've, it's, it's and uh, just to just to end on a sort of positive note, you know, fair play to Thomas. I think he's been on the podcast. Well, next time maybe his third or fourth time. So, um, yeah, again, it's not always. You know, we're not. You know, sometimes I feel like certain people take things personally, but we we're always happy to have Thomas on or Chris Ewan or whoever it would be. Um, they've always been forthcoming. It's just, I guess there's a disconnect of uh, the way I see it is how the club sees it, uh, how the league sees itself and how other people see it. I don't think it's too aware of, or maybe it's all too aware of, of how people see it. Um, but just because you're going to get negative comments doesn't mean you don't post and you, know, you don't want to post entirely because there's just no point in having a media team or <laughs> doing anything if that's the case. You comments off if you really want to. Like if that's yeah. Like- you want to people will still comment on it on their own social media 
uh, platforms. But if you don't want people to reply and all that, then you can you can do that. But just just tell us bits. So we don't need to have the full minute of the meeting, for example, published. Yeah, a yeah. nice quick summary would be would be useful. But enough about the the bureaucracy of the Lone League just now. We'll move on to the East Scotland League. There were three games involving uh, six clubs, as it would be, obviously. A few games postponed. It was Haddington 1, Dundonald Bluebell 3, Oakley United 1, Hellebeath Hawthorns 4, and Musselburgh 0, Broxburn Athletic 4. And, of course, it was a game on Friday night, uh, Tynecastle 2, Socky Juniors 3. We'll we'll start there, Chris. Uh, Socky Juniors up to second in the league now. They getting that three-two result. They're, I think, seven points behind. Uh, Lenlithgow Rose. It's probably a gap that's still too close, too, too, too much to to track to chase down now for me. Given how well Lenlithgow Rose are playing, they've got a game in hand. But certainly the gap is the gap is closing. Yeah, um, and that was another one of the games that sort of started the the ground top weekend. Um, Mega Land, obviously. Uh, Really, I don't know if you've ever been to Megaland, but it's a really decent sort of facility to watch football in. Um, yeah, a decent win for Socky, but as you say, you know, I feel our coverage of the East of Scotland this season's probably been poorer compared to the Lone League and the the West of Scotland. And I, the reason I say that is because um, Lanarkville have just went on a massive run and they've been well ahead, you know, in the majority of the season. So I guess when that happens there's a lot less to talk about. I mean, we could say, oh, Saki might have gone on a miracle run and somehow overthrow the Nuffco Rose, but I think we have to be realistic and say that's not likely to happen. Um, so apologies to the East of Scotland fans. <laughs> We've not really had um, too much positive to say about about how, how it's run, other than obviously Nuffco Rose kind of running away with it. Um, you know, it's good for some clubs in terms of the results and stuff like that, but um, there's less of a title fight in the East of Scotland than than there is in the Lone League and obviously uh, the West of Scotland at the moment and obviously the South of Scotland also. So, yeah, that's why our, our coverage, I, I feel anyway, our coverage has probably been a bit lacking there because I think you get to a point where you get sick of maybe complimenting in Lafco Rose <laughs> too much. I mean, we were certainly heavy with the compliments for them and they're a great team, obviously. So, um, But yeah, doing that every week, I think the other pisses off other fans obviously but that is the reality that Lundlifco Rose are running away with the East of Scotland Premier at the moment so yeah I, I think from our perspective as well we're, we're, we're not as close to the East of Scotland I think from, in terms of what's happening I'm not personally given I don't live out I live out in the West and I'm obviously much more involved in the West of Scotland League I, I see what happens in social media I see the results I see the league tables but I, I don't know the end the ins and outs. I can't watch every game, every highlight, for example, on a uh, Saturday night before the, the, the recording on a Sunday. So it's just unfortunate. I think uh, we, we'd love to have more insight, I think, in the East of Scotland if we could, but the, the way it is. And maybe Chris, you need to get out to more games and get Greg going seeing some, some East of Scotland games and get to, yeah. to know what's going on. I still need to see Socky. Um, I think the only other Obviously, Penny Cook, Inland, uh, Lovian, Fissel, Hutchie, Vale are playing today, which is hopefully be a cracker of a game at Penny Cook Park. I think that kicks off soon. Probably one of the games kind of end in the uh, the Groundhog yep. weekend. Um, I think the only other kind of shock result, and we've been really harsh on them lately, is obviously Broxburn beating Musselburgh Athletic 4 0 away from home. I mean, that's a stunning result. I think some of even the Broxburn players. Are, um, 
were a wee bit shocked that they, they pulled that off because they seem to have a, you know, they've, they've, they've been lacking a wee bit in results on a Saturday for whatever reason. I don't think they like playing on Saturdays, I guess. So, um, but that's a fantastic result. Exactly the way to come back and answer your critics. Um, muscle bra. Yeah, I'm still, you know, young coach there. Look like they're going to build a really decent team for next season, but yeah, they've they've not really shown the consistency um, so far to to build to 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 convince me that they're going to be like a top team yet. So, but the quality in terms of the players that they have and that they've brought in uh, suggests that they will be one to watch. But for some reason, yeah, with some you know, with unless your Lanafco Rose. You're not consistent enough in terms of your results to to really be looked at. I think as a contender, um, I think that's fair to say. There's no one that's went on a mad run. Um, it's it's a strange one. It really is. It's a bit like the lone league in terms of, um, you know, anyone can beat anyone on their day. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think we 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 all know how good Lanarkshire Rose are. And- We'd love a team to come out of nowhere and, and, and give them a run, but it's probably too little too late as far as that's concerned. It's yeah, Lithgow have been excellent and, and they're well deserving of, of the title win and their place in the playoff and potentially promotion, I think, at this point in time. We will come on to the West of Scotland just shortly, but I mean if Beath win the league, I mean that's automatic promotion for for them, I would assume, because I, I don't imagine well, they'll still have to play a lot uh, South of Scotland team if they are um, licensed. Licensed, I don't know what's yeah. the situation. I don't know the situation with the South of Scotland teams if they've got uh, licenses. I think Abbey Vale, I think, do have the license. I think they're in the Scottish Cup this season. But that's something maybe that our fans in the in the South need to give us some, some insight. Who's Who's got the license, who's involved, and who can get promoted? I assume St Cuthbert's can, but they'll not be, I think, at the moment, when Lithgow Rose look like a team very much capable of beating anyone, regardless of what uh, league they come from. We'll move on then to the South of Scotland League. We just mentioned there there was a couple of games and one thing about the South of Scotland is they do a lot of goals uh, we must admit. Nithdale Wanderers 3, Stranraer Reserves 9, St Cuthbert 6, Loch Maven 3 and I got that right this time for all my, uh, <laughs> my haters who, to say I get it wrong. There was one game on Friday night that was Cali Braves Reserve 2 Mid Annandale 2 and yeah Goals, goals, goals! I think in the in the, in the south of Scotland league this week, none of the the only kind of top team playing was Midlandale up mm-hmm. to second. Uh, they've got some games played. Keating got a couple of games in hand, uh, a point in front, but Lockhart weren't playing, and they've played the same amount of games as Midlandale. But we've only played like fourteen games. There's going to be what at least another ten or so to play. For most teams, maybe eight to ten games left to play in that league. I think I assume they play each other twice in the league. So plenty to play for at the top. There's only what six points to split in the team. The four teams at the top of the league, Abbey Vale got games in hand, Keytown games in hand, and Mirandi and Lock Arthur so have played their, their games kinda of, uh, on, on level par. So uh, anyone can win that from from those four. I think they're all very capable. So we'll see what happens and Let's just hope they get the finish before the the, the playoff, um, which is due on the fifteenth of May. So some good results, but we'll, we'll try to keep these episodes under an hour if we can. At the moment, we've been conscious of going on for longer than 
than we, we need to. So we'll crack on to the West of Scotland League and we will start in the West of Scotland Premier League as we always would do. And there was Athlete 2, Cumberland Juniors 1, Glen Afton 2, Cambridge Rangers 1, Arthur Medal 2, Pollock 0, Kirkintar, Rob Roy and Lags was postponed. Trun 4, Darvel 1. Some some interesting ones there. We'll start with the Athlete uh, 2, Cumberland Juniors 1. A good result for Arthur, an Arthur team, but like ourselves, fighting for their lives at the bottom of the, the table. Cumlock on an absolute downward spiral. I don't know what's going wrong at Cumlock, but if you think back to episodes at the start of the season, Chris, we were talking yeah. about Cumlock's potential title challengers that they have went, went south. I don't know what it is. They've, they've had some, I think, injury problems, squad depth issues, but they've been... They brought guys in. They brought they signed in Grant Grant Dickey from Hockey. They yep. brought in Stuart Fife uh, from Johnston Borough on loan. Uh, Stuart Fife, I believe, has been touted around a lot of clubs as a for transfer in the season, and they've managed to bring a, a, a good centre half from from the league below. But still, still struggling to get a result. Come look, I, I just don't know what's going on. Going wrong. Athley, we mentioned them last week about their management team. They brought in the. New management team of uh, Colin Riley uh, from Vale Clyde, uh, which is, uh, I think, a good appointment and a, and a manager that has always been kind of keen to progress his, his managerial career, and he's done a good job there at Arthur and started the season with a with a win, Chris. Yeah, I mean that's a fantastic result against. Um, you know, like, like you said, I mean. I don't know what's yeah. Again, you can kind of look at some teams and say right. What's caused the downfall? It might have been injuries. It might have been that. I guess it's that whole expectations reality thing. You ex- maybe expect them to do a wee bit better, and they don't. Um, I can't really put my finger on it either, Ben. In terms of of uh, what's went wrong there, or what's going wrong there, I should say. Um, but a fantastic result for Arfley, considering we maybe thought the same about them in terms of um, you know re- them perhaps be fighting for their lives in, in relegation. They're obviously not out of it yet. Um, again, it's two teams that have, we've really probably had a positive spin at the start of the season, and then suddenly it's looking negative. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. That um, what's going on at Cumnock or Arfley? I think you do get a boost, or players certainly get a boost if um, you know a new manager comes in and maybe has some good ideas. Or again, it could just be the fact that players are wanting to to show them what he can do, so they're they're picked. Um, Picked in the starting lineup every week, so I, I do believe most clubs get a boost if a new manager comes on board. So it could just be that. Um, I'm not going to say it's going to be an absolute turnaround just uh, based on one result because I think that's a wee bit dangerous for ourselves, I guess. Uh, but no, that was a really good win, uh, albeit over a, a struggling Cumnock side at this at this moment in time. Yeah, I just as I said, I just don't know what's going on with Cumnock. I just can't. Understand that they'll probably be fortunate they did have a good spell at the start of the season, or they would be right in amongst this relegation battle. I think they've probably done enough at this point to to stay up. But yeah. if the form continues, then do they, do they're going to be much closer at the bottom than they are certainly top. And they're a team that, when I seen them at the start of the season, they were they were excellent. They were getting results. They beat Darvel kind of second game of the season or so first game of the season, I think it was. And I just don't. I don't know what's going wrong. And they'll just have to go in and try and, I think, similar to Broomhill that we mentioned, go in and make sure they stay up and reset for, for next season. Like 
pulling many of the kind of teams down the bottom of the, the division will be trying to do, stay stay up and, and keep fighting. But elsewhere in the West of Scotland League worth talking about uh, would be, I guess, Troon 4, Darvel 1. Another team that we don't have a clue what's going wrong, going wrong right now at is, is Darvel. That is a, a result we no one expected. 4-1 for, for Troon. They've turned a corner since we were talking about them as potential relegation candidates a couple of months back, and they're up to seventh in the table. But Darvel, I mean, I, we'll get criticised regardless of what we say here because we were also <laughs> heavy on Darvel at the start of the season. But are Darvel out of it? Is that too dramatic to say? I don't know. <laughs> I looked at the table, I looked at it and was thinking, Beaver really extending that that gap aren't they and then you, you you've not to forget about Auchinleck with so many games in hand um I'd, I I would hesitate to say they're out of it because but then again they're not they're not winning are they you know what I mean it's been a struggle for them ever since that you know they've came out of the Scottish Cup and I don't know I I don't know what's happening with Darvel obviously Mick um I, I wouldn't say I speak to Mick um, regularly, but it's, it's not always about Darvel when, when we're talking about um, it's you know about other stuff. I mean, obviously, he's he's heavily critical of you know the lone league in the pyramid and stuff like that. Mick's a good guy, but I don't know what's going on in terms of Darvel at the moment. I mean, you look at their team and you think oh, they should be running away with the league, uh, and they aren't, and they get beat four one off of Trun, and albeit. You know, in fairness, Troon, um, you talked about the Benji bump, obviously. <laughs> we called them out for being, you know, not really having much to play for and maybe not doing too much. Uh, they went on a fantastic run. And uh, to beat a team like Darvo, I mean, that's, I, I, I don't even know where Troon will end up uh, come the end of the season. But that's... I, I don't know how long, uh, how long the run lasts. Uh, and it's, and I, I would say the same with Darvo. I don't know how long this week blip last because I, I think it's just a blip. Uh Darvel are too good to uh to be beaten or drop points every week. But the issue is Auchinleck are coming into form. Beef are certainly on form. Uh, they'll not want to give up the top of the league. <sighs> I don't know Ben. What Auchinleck is the fact that in what we're in kind of mid mid to end of March and they've got so many games to play that'll come into play for Auchinleck. I don't expect them to be winning uh, every game, if they're playing three games a week or whatever it will be, come the end of the season. Beef, a few more injuries there. You know, Josh Fowler getting injured, someone like that. Um, it, it would be tough, tough to replace these players. Whereas Darvel do have the uh, the depth, albeit I don't know what the hell is going on in terms of the results. Um, that's why I would never rule Darvel out because other clubs have other factors which. Could really uh, deter them, whereas Darvel, as we mentioned, have uh, much more depth. And I, I just don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on in terms of results. All I will say is massive, massive props to Troon for the run that they're on. Uh, I know there was a few guys that were getting a bit of stick from fans here and there, um, and us as well. I mean, I think it's always jokingly when we're talking about maybe, maybe uh, Dean and. Uh, Sam Jameson and stuff like that, but um, nah, they, 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 they've been great and full credit to them, uh, Trun. And it's a bit weird that they've 
I think it's happened a fair bit, Ben, where we've talked about something. For example, um, we, we mentioned uh, the Drum Chapel media maybe not being as great, and then all of a sudden the last few weeks have been absolutely brilliant in terms of what they're doing. So, um, I don't know. Benji Bump certainly does exist, I think. <laughs> yeah, maybe we need to start paying, taking some, some payments for, for, for people who want to get um, talked about in this podcast to see if we can turn around their season. I don't know, are, are people playing the podcast in their dressing room on a, on a Saturday morning and being like, look at these two chumps talking about us saying we're fresh, like, and then we end up doing the team talk for them, I don't know, maybe, I mean, it's, it's possible, but, yeah, uh, fair play to Trin, they've got some good players, and they always knew they had good individuals, but they seem to, I think, lack in that kind of team um, ability, and I don't know what's changed, because, I mean, still, Jimmy Kirkwood and, and Dean Keenan uh, involved at, at the management level, they, they did bring in Davy Syme defensively for a month there, who's been back to Darvel already, and he's playing played for Darvel yesterday against Troon after being out there on loan. I think the boy Logan Smith's been, been excellent at the back for, for Troon and looks like a really good player. They've got a lot of young players and a lot of kind of, I would say, probably less experienced and maybe players on much less money and, and you would be absolutely perceived to be a less calibre that. I'm not saying anything derogatory about them there. That's That would be the facts. I mean, Darvel have a squad of, of players and have a bench the, every single player on, on the Darvel bench yesterday would have walked into that Troon first team absolutely no doubt about it and that's but it's a brilliant result an absolutely yep. fantastic result that four goals against a, a Darvel side is, is phenomenal for any team uh, and well done to Troon Darvel I just I just don't know I just Aye, it's weird there's been I mean I think you've seen maybe a, a bit of Chopman changing with the lineup. certainly they haven't maybe not had as a kind of Regular starting 11, there's been a few injury suspensions. Guys went out, like mentioned, they're out on loan. David Sime, Lewis Morrison, etc., going out on loan. They brought in Andy McDonald and Robbie McNabb as well, which I think Andy McDonald's put a few games at the back. And it's not been Daryl Meg at Cam Eady for what the, kind of the centre back pairing for most of the season. So I don't know if this chopping and changing maybe affecting them a little bit. And obviously, you've got to use your squad, that, that's important. We, we said that. I think middle of the season that, that Darvel's benefit they have is 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 what is it is that squad depth the caliber of players they can bring in at a moment's notice and also the fact that Darvel can go out and buy a good player uh, if they want to it wouldn't shock me if that happens but if I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest with you you're looking at maybe where they're lacking are they struggling for goals at the moment do they go out and get a striker they've actually yeah. got that in them to go and buy five, six, seven, eight grand's worth of players without even thinking about it too much. If that's going to be the thing that wins in the title, then, then that's probably what they'll they'll need to do or go and do. There's certainly been a lot of distractions with the Cup. Uh, I would say that that has been a, a big factor. And they obviously losing to Falkirk would probably be quite sore. Uh, they lost Craig Truesdale to injury. He's a, a big part of their squad, I would say. He, he's probably one of the, the one of the players that comes without that kind of name and experience and Kind of seen as kind of a go-to a player, and he, he's been one of the standouts for Darvel this season, and he's been missing. So yeah, it's maybe a factor too, but Darvel uh, need to get their finger out ultimately. Yeah, I mean, I I'm open to admit I've never really I never understood bringing in Robbie McNabb and nothing against Robbie McNabb. He's a brilliant player. I used to some best. He's obviously been at you know previously BSC Glasgow, BSC. and he was Kelty. Uh, I saw a lot of him, but he's not my type of player, and I tell you why. Um, for what I think Darbo needs, 
um, is more sort of creative sort of player. And Robbie's certainly a more of a defensive sort of mid, uh, even a defender at, at some points as well. So I, I just don't understand why bring him in when you probably need to score more goals. I know I know you were saying, obviously, Darvo have an issue with conceding goals, but to me, Robbie's not the answer for that. Um, you know, be a bit critical of Mick maybe there. But um, yeah, Robbie's, a, I would say what, He's the he's probably a player that East Kilbride need actually. <laughs> to be honest with you, to me he's always been a sort of DM sort of enforcer guy that protects the back four. Uh, I know he does play sort of defender sometimes as well, but um, yeah, I I, I I don't really see what benefit that that transfer has to Darvel. With all due respect to Robbie, who's a, a really good player, but um, yeah, he's not my type of player that I would think that Darbo would go for, if that makes sense. With all due respect to Robbie, as I say, and Mick, obviously, I'm kind of slighting him for maybe bringing him in, but um, I would think they would need someone more creative, maybe like a, I don't know, I, I was going to say, uh, I was going <laughs> to say Jamie Glasgow there, eh? but <laughs> he's already at Darbo. Eh? Jamie Glasgow started <laughs> yesterday, I think, for the first time in a while, uh, yeah. from, from memory, but yeah, he certainly... Uh, yeah, I mean, they've got an absolute squad. I mean, look at the bench from yesterday. Jordan Allen, Andy Sterling, Alan McKenzie, Jordan Kirkpatrick, Thomas Riley, Daryl Meggett, Lyle Afsey. Uh, see that bench, like, Thomas Riley can't get a game for Darvel. It's mad. Like, yeah. He's played, what, League One like, as much as, like, three months ago or four months ago, whatever it was, and he, he can't get a game. Craig Mills come back on the side. It seems to be, he seems to be preferred choice up front at the moment. Scott Ferguson's coming back, come back in. Still maybe that's it. Still, maybe yeah. that's it, Ben. Maybe Mike just has to change it around and give. I mean, <laughs> Thomas Riley, no players is just mad to me. I mean, he's this mental. But I don't know. I I don't know too much of. Um, you know, obviously I've seen Darvel play, but I, they don't. The the tactical approach is um, not as easy to work out, in, in my opinion, because it does change quite a lot. Um, is what I would say. So maybe try. I think, in fairness to Mickey, he's a guy that kind of changes things up here and there. So, um, maybe sometimes it just doesn't work. You know, that that's maybe the issue. Maybe Mick has an idea and it's, it it just doesn't work on the day, and that's probably why they do concede a fair bit. Or, um, I think I, I'm always critical of managers that refuse to change their approach or whatever. But sometimes you can uh, you can change it way too much, and that's maybe an issue with Darbo there. I don't know. So the squad depth actually having a detrimental effect, possibly. Maybe, yeah. But certainly they'll need the players going come down the yeah. stretch, and they'll need to get it together soon. They can't, they can't afford any more losses. I think at this point, because the way the way B are playing, I think B the by all accounts been fortunate that they've had a couple of weeks off now. They've been able to rest some bodies and get some guys fat because I think they they were struggling a little bit with injury uh, last couple of weeks and some of those key players that you mentioned and. They've managed to wrap them up in cotton wool and get them get them some um, some time off the park and yeah it'll be an interesting run certainly but I think Auchinleck are the ones to talk about really they're they're the team that I think have it in their gift to go and win it for me and, and we obviously discounted them at the start this beginning of the season when they had been on that poor form and I, I'll say what I said last week it was absolutely justified as far as I'm concerned uh, but they've turned around so fair play to them. Right, we'll move on quickly then to the West Scotland Cup. It was the quarter-finals between... It was obviously four matches played. I'm just trying to find all the results. Um, we'll start with Auchinleck 3, Gart Cairn 1. 
it was Drew Chapel United no Cowan Rangers two and Craig Mark Bontorians three St Rocks four and it was Nielsen two Clyde Bank three. I guess the, the first one there, Rock and Lake, Gart Cairn. I can't expect the result. Gart Cairn are definitely a good side and, and incapable, but Rock and Lake are a cup team. They know what they're doing in cup competitions. They've got it uh, absolutely nailed and convincing win in the end for, for Rock and Lake. Yeah. Um, in terms of all the results that you mentioned, I, I probably don't have much to say, uh, simply because it's really as expected. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um so- it's interesting you say that because I think like probably being quite pessimistic, we went to Drum Chapel knowing how capable Drum Chapel were. Uh, yeah, and and the I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. And we're looking at that. We were obviously struggling a lot about injuries and things like that on our side, and we've turned up there and probably put in one of our best performances of the season, as far as I'm concerned. We were, we were excellent front to back. We've scored some nice goals. Thomas Collins has scored an absolute peach for free kick uh, from about twenty-five yards, thirty yards. We've kept a clean sheet. It's something we've struggled with. I've kind of changed the back four. I mentioned, got to mention, uh, young Josh Loudon at right back for us, 17 years old, came in for his uh, second start of the season against a good drum chapel side. He was playing against the likes of Jao Victoria, mm-hmm. David Templeton. I mean, both players are excellent players, and, and young Josh kept them both quiet for most of the game. They didn't have a lot to, to do. He, he was excellent, and gets us through. I've got to mention, actually, one of the uh, one of the drum chapel players, I'm not going to mention him by name, but don't want to embarrass him any further, but he was offering uh, a Buffs fan uh, a square go in the car park after the game uh, because of some shouts, I think. Just, no? Uh, it was a bit weird. It was a bit strange, but he was like, um, I'll see in the car park outside and all that, and I was like, pretty embarrassing, but I'll not, I'll not save him the embarrassment did, of him. Um, did he take up the offer? Uh, the, the fan? <laughs> Did he take up the offer? The, the, the fan technically did wait, um, if, if I'm being honest, and um, he didn't turn up. So uh, that's that's all I'll all, all say on that one. But it was I must admit, right? Like I, I'm not the type of person to back down from a fight. But I mean, two grown men fighting each other is the most embarrassing thing ever, isn't it? Really? It, it was a weird one because it was a fairly innocuous shout from the from the fan inside the park. It was a bit of banter. It was just the same old, you know football banner and the guy's like I'll see you outside and all that I'll wait for me in the car park and all that I was like that's embarrassing anyway we move on uh, it's a great result for uh, for, for us and, and gets into the semi-final got to give a lot of credit to them drum chapel they're doing something different up there they're a wee young team of fans who are getting the, the thing going and are, are passionate about their, their team and their, where they live and it was it was excellent to see I kind of a newer side as it would be. They're only a few years young in the, the west of Scotland uh, from Chapel United and certainly it was good to see they're doing a lot of great work around the, the, the Dewar Park and things like that. Right. So good. Uh, they, They'll be well. They'll say, we know that well backed financially. That's not one of these hiding anything there. That's that's a fact. You can see the players that are bringing the calibre of guys have got like Martin Green, uh, David Temple and Jail Victoria, for example, that are, are playing on that side and players that can be playing Probably still league football, we would say. Absolutely, no doubt about it. And but good, good sides, uh, nonetheless. The other two games we mentioned there were Craig Mark Antonians uh, and St Rocks. It's a four-three win for St Rocks, and great for St Rocks to get to a, a semi-final of a cup man. Got to, got to give them a lot of credit there. They'll be it'll be a good game for them to face Clyde Bank in the in the semi-final. Clyde Bank obviously been the other team there that, that beat Nielsen three-two. Uh, just managed to get through it. I think it was quite close in the end, but. 
they got the result, but the semi-finals look like Auchinleck Talbot versus Coran Rangers at Beechwood Park on the 8th of April. And the other one Tough is one. St. Rocks versus Claybank uh, at the James McCrory Park. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't come much harder than that in a, in a cup competition to get an away tie, an away draw uh, at Beechwood against Auchinleck. But I think what we can say, we can take a lot of positives from yesterday, but we're now four games unbeaten in cup and league competitions. Chris Aitken's come in and done a, a remarkable job, but he hasn't. I mean, he hasn't strengthened the squad by by any means. He hasn't brought in loads of players. He brought in Alan McInnes from uh, Wetlands and Goal, who's who's made a, a difference certainly and takes the shares of load with young Ewan Henderson. Brought in Ali McComb, uh, mm-hmm. which is a great signing for us. You, you know <clears throat> Ali well, and he's something different. He adds a bit of pace. He's a bit more direct. Del Markin's a phenomenal striker and he's a great target man. He holds the ball in tremendously well, but Ali just adds that, that bit of pace, a bit different up front through the middle. So, good to get Ali back. He knows the club well. And we've talked about him playing, so I'm not going to too much more about Ali McComb. Are we becoming the Ali McComb podcast, this thing? But I was going to say, are you expecting pelters when you go to Beachwood in terms of what you've been saying about hockey life? Or oh, what I, you've been I, 100%. 100%, 100% that, you know. Sarah's going to have a field day. Yes, I'm sure um, there'll be a few people that will definitely have have something to say um, when I turn up there. All in good good I might get an official catch-up jacket just to go down for that weekend and just make sure everyone knows who I am. Nah, I'm joking. Um, Trying to be inconspicuous best I can, but that's pretty much it from us on the official catch-up podcast. Uh, there was no major boxing news to talk about, but do you follow the UFC, Chris? Uh, no, I don't. Um, I think I've described, said this before, but um, I, I tried to get into the UFC, but I saw these two big heavyweight guys. Um, I can't remember who it was. It was This was years ago, and this boy was like kneeing this guy in the face, and his face was all bloody. And I, really, I've never been like a, a guy with, for a dodgy stomach or anything like that, or <laughs> brutality. But to me, I was like, that is fucking way too brutal for me. Like, <laughs> and it just put it just put me off. Honestly, it just put me off. But no, um, I was I got a message yesterday. I was actually late to it, but someone was asking for a link to uh, the UFC and stuff like that. But unfortunately, I think I was asleep at the time, eh? so I missed it. I was going to ask you what your thoughts were on Leon Edwards versus Kamara Usman last night. Big Leon Edwards, the British uh, middleweight winning, um, retaining his title, which was I watched the last night live. It was great to watch. Uh, not having to, to watch it at 3 in the morning like most of these things happen at. So it was nice to watch it because it was based in London. But if you're not a UFC fan, Chris, there's not much more point in talking about it. Nah. Anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, thanks all for listening or watching. Remember, check us out on all the social media uh, platforms at Official Catch Up. Uh, like and subscribe on YouTube and all the podcast uh, websites. Make sure you subscribe there too. But thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more of your non league football nonsense. See ya.